Hello and welcome to Cinema Spectator, a show where an expert and a casual movie fan watch movies in the cinematic canon. Today's film is Rope, directed by Alfred Hitchcock, starring James Stewart and John Dahl. My name is Cameron Tuttle and I'm joined with Isaac Ransom. Isaac, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm a little bit of a recluse, all locked up all weekend just because mm. the wife was sick, but uh, overall good. Just um, trying to prep for Christmas. You know how the yeah. season goes. I don't really know what our holiday schedule is yet, Cameron, but um, I'm sure we'll we'll think of something. I, I have a feeling next Tuesday we probably won't have an episode, just because I'm be, I'm gonna be out traveling and stuff. So um, okay, I you know I might be free this week, so we can we can talk about that later, I guess. But um, I definitely uh, it's weird because the this season has like really snuck up on me. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah. Um it's it's been it's been really strange uh being like, "Oh wow. Christmas is this weekend?" <laughs> like, yeah. It's crazy. I want to just I hate that Christmas is on a weekend. Like who did that? Mm, like cuz you I, want that you want those days off? Yeah, I want I mean I you want, still get Monday off. Though. Like the best day to have Christmas off is like Tuesday or Wednesday, you know? Like Christmas Eve on Tuesday or Wednesday. That just kind of flows into that week a little later. And it's just somehow it feels like you just get less time off this year. I know that's probably not true, but uh, I I just I don't know who did the calendar. Who's in charge of that? Who does that? Kind of thing? <laughs> huh? I think it's just set. You know, I think we have the next, you know, this it, it's it's just the amount of days. It just keeps rotating. Yeah. But who Wait. like the whole world is like, yeah, we just agree. There's got to be someone. Right. You know what's weird? What's actually really weird is why did we pick I mean I I kind of understand it, but we picked this a 7-day calendar and a 30 to 31 day month, right? Don't you think it would have been easier to make something that was like divisible by <laughs> by 7 if we were going to do a 7-day calendar? Yeah, <laughs> like, I just I don't I don't understand. It's got to be something to do with stars or the moon rotation or something, right? There has to be some something defining that outside of our knowledge. So, I guess if you're a patron, write in. I guess if you're not a patron, write in because whatever. Like I don't understand how any of that stuff works. I hope about, um, Neil deGrasse show. Tyson, you know, he comes out and he's like, well, actually, um, the the stars are, uh, you know, the months make a lot of sense with the Gregorian calendar. Yeah, I, th- I, you know, I hope that that's 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 how I imagine this is going to end. Right. Yeah. He'll write but, into this show. Uh, yeah, that'd be awesome. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our massive audience, Cameron, how are you? Uh, I'm doing good. I, you know, this week has been kind of chill for me, even though it's been busy, but like, uh, a good busy, you know, I was expecting things to really slow down. Um, but we're just, we're just working through, through till Christmas, you know, we're just, we're just chugging along. And I, I am kind of the opposite of you because I, um, I don't get paid for my days off. So, you know, when, when I, I kind of like that you know, this year it's on Sunday, you know, then New Year's is on a, or it's, is it on Saturday or Sunday? What is it? It's Saturday. It's, it's, it's uh, I think it's Saturday, Sunday. I don't remember, Again. but New Year's is on a Saturday. So I'm like, oh man, that's perfect. You know, I can work the second, <laughs> you know? yeah. like that's awesome. So I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of the opposite of you, but, um, but I get, I get the feeling, you know, I'm sure if you, for a lot of, people that I work with, um, 
I think they're kind of bummed out because uh, <laughs> they got a lot of work to do. It's just, I, I think what it is is like, oh, are we really working till Friday? I asked my boss that today on, on a call. That I, was, I was like, are we really like, really working till Friday? I'm like, is anyone actually going to like, you know, want to talk to us in any regard for anything <laughs> at that point? Honestly, you know, yeah. might as well just call it. Right. Um, yeah. But I guess I'm just. I don't know. Lazy. I'm not sure what it is. Uh, Cameron, what have you been watching? Um, well, I actually just watched a movie with Jews on Friday. Um, we watched Tar, which I thought was really, really excellent. I loved it. Um, it was so unusual. Um, you know, it seems like kind of a boring movie. And to some degree, I, it, it, you know, it's it's long and it's a little bit slow. And I think I think there's a temptation for people to kind of like gloss over with the description of it, which is why I was like, I don't really care about seeing this, you know, before I saw it, but it's, it's about a composer um, and a conductor. Um, and she, uh, you know, she's kind of very famous and she has a lot of success and it's a little bit about uh, some of the things that happen during her career and, you know, some of, some of her missteps. Um, which doesn't sound like a very interesting movie, but it really is, and and it's a very it's a it's an excellently made movie, um, and keeps you really engaged. There's some things that it does, especially towards the end, that I was like, wow, this is really um, surprisingly thrilling in a in a movie like this, um, which I I was not expecting. Like there there are moments and shots where it's 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 basically a horror film it's really crazy like i've never never experienced that in this kind of uh flat and dramatic of a movie which it could have been in a you know in a different in different hands but it really wasn't it was it was very engaging and and very thrilling um so that that's basically it i i think i think i've been uh yeah as i said i've been pretty busy otherwise but friday had some time saw tar i would highly recommend it another thing that was kind of interesting was um we saw it and it was kind of a smaller theater it's it's the piedmont and um it uh we you know we saw it on friday which was the opening night for avatar way of the water um and our theater was was packed (laughs) like shockingly packed wow. to see this this movie that's been in the theaters for like a month um and from what i heard from like what the the workers were saying um we had j- basically just as many people you know sh- watching tar as we're watching avatar <laughs> so it was kind of uh i i was not expecting that but i guess it's it's a little bit soft avatar is um but who knows i i you know, I don't care about that movie that much. So, yeah, it's interesting. You know, I haven't watched anything um, this week outside of the film we watched, and um, yeah, it's. I've been hearing a lot about Way of the Water. I know last episode we were kind of, you know, pooping on it, saying like, uh, like who cares about this? And I've watched a few like kind of neutral reviews. Um, and, uh, it seems, it seems like people are liking it, but then again, that's 
kind of what people said about the first one too, right? So yeah, I I don't think you know I don't think it's gonna do as well as it probably needs to do, and I think partially that's just because in the the post COVID landscape of you know films in theaters, I think the basically the only one that ha- has had insane major success was Top Gun Maverick. I think that's the that's pretty much the only movie um in the last two or three years that's that's had um a huge amount of success. So you know, it it really does have to um be a sensation in order to to do something like that. N- not to say that Avatar wouldn't be, but I don't know. I feel like 13 years later it's it's a little too late. They might have lost their um, lost their time slot uh, that they could have could have come back to, but who knows? We'll see. It's just opening weekend right now, so we'll see. Yeah, yeah. It says it looks like uh, overall box office was 152 million um, domestic. Domestic, yeah. I don't I think know it what was the 450, to, 460 uh, international, which isn't which isn't terrible for an opening weekend. Um, definitely not for most movies. I mean, I would say that that would be successful for most movies, but, um, for an avatar for something like that, you really do want to see a little bit higher. I, I just, I was trying to look for sort of the expectation. Like they're, they're predicting it or they had predicted it at 2 billion. Um, in total, total like not yeah. opening though. Not opening. Yeah. Right. Two billion. Wow. Then they have a lot of ground to catch up on. But I guess the positive reviews might have driven people there. So if you've seen it, you know, and you want to write into the show, please let us know. Because I I'm not gonna run out and watch it. Um I feel like my holiday's already booked, to be honest. So um but yeah, just just kind of kind of interesting to to backboard off our conversation from last week. Especially because I didn't have anything to contribute to this conversation because I didn't watch it besides <laughs> the movie. So let's get into that. This is Cinema Spectator. You can support us at patreon.com slash ECFS Productions. Throw a couple dollars away. Get exclusive benefits like writing into the show. M- nobody ever does. So if you do give it that level, you will have your question read. Patreons, please write in. Um, that would help the show be a little bit more goofy and fun and I don't know. I like audience inquiries. It always adds some good flavor. So if you are a patron, make sure to check out that. Uh, If you don't have a few dollars, you can give us a rating, share the show with friends. It's a small production. We appreciate all of you being here and listening. Uh, We do post every Tuesday. And Cameron, it's time to get into probably the last Hitchcock movie uh, to close out the year, right? Um, Uh. We'll see. I want to. I want to see if we can fit fit another one in. Okay. Hopefully, we can. Okay. Um, yeah. So, Rope, Alfred Hitchcock's Rope, an interesting movie in a couple ways. One, it's uh, so this was earlier than the other two movies that we or the other three movies that we've watched from him. Uh, so, nineteen forty eight, pretty um, uh, kind of an interesting movie in that it's in Technicolor, uh, 1948, which is still kind of, you know, a lot of directors were working in black and white back then. Um, but as far as like scenery goes, it's not really, uh, you, it's not a movie that you would expect to be in, in 
Technicolor. You'd expect it to be in black and white just because of the small setting um, and some of the more intimate uh, themes of of the movie. But you know, it it does use that um, you know newish technology. I mean, it had been out for about twenty years at this point, but um, you know, still still kind of interesting because uh, it was a much more expensive process and a, and a much um, you know it it was more involved. Uh, back in the day, you know, having a color, a color film. Um, but also another interesting thing to note about it is it's made in, uh, you know, in, in very long takes. Now you wouldn't say that this is a single take movie, although I think the, the cuts are very rare. I think there might be three or four that I noticed, um, actual, you know, hard cuts from characters, um, and they're very intentional too. They're, uh, you know, they're extremely well placed. But throughout, I mean, all of the the takes are impressively long. Um, in that, you know, they'll be going for four to five minutes without breaking or without, you know, they do little little you know tricks of the camera where you know it, it'll kind of move in or dolly into to a character and and fade out and then uh you know come back in at the same moment so it's it's not it's not technically a one take you know all the way through but it is um a very well designed movie in that way and i i do think it has um left a mark in a lot of the modern movies that that do the same thing if um you know something like uh, Birdman, which is is kind of you know similarly one take ish. Um, there's a lot of movies nowadays that that have that kind of uh, you know I don't want to say gimmick as as in that's a bad thing, but um, that kind of motif going on where uh, it's it's supposed to be in sort of one long continuous take. Um, and at the same time, you know, not just being in one long take, it is actually in real time. Um, legitimately not not as in you know there's there's fade-ins or you know it, it kind of jumps around or anything it is actually legitimately in in you know the real time of you know starting from before the party till after the party so that's another interesting kind of um technique that's utilized really well in the movie um but you know to go into a little bit of a summary it's about two um you assume they're college friends, though it's not really clear so much how uh, how they know each other. Um, it opens on them murdering uh, someone who you don't know, uh, who you later to you know find out is um, just a friend of theirs who you know is part of this this sort of social social group, um, and their reasoning uh, at the beginning is that they have. Um, you know they're they're sort of intellectually superior than uh, you know normal people. They have this this thought that you know we can commit a murder because um, basically he's he's dumb <laughs> is essentially what what they think. Uh, and uh, after after they you know it opens on the shot of of them killing this man. And they you know hide the body and then afterwards is a party that plays out that they had planned. Um, and so everyone arrives. And, and so the tension really is about them uh, being coy about this person who is expected at the party, who is not there. Um, 
and kind of their interactions with with the guests and specifically James Stewart's character who is kind of the quickest one to suspect something might be wrong with uh, with what they're saying. Um, so an interesting premise. Another uh, kind of unique thing about this movie is it's very short. Um, it's uh, an hour and 20 minutes, so 80 minutes long. Um, so with that being, you know, all in real time, it's kind of interesting because you kind of, you, you go through the whole uh, process of them, them killing the man all the way through to, um, you know, the, the final conclusion of that. So, and all, you know, it all takes place uh, in real time. So uh, that's kind of the main thrust of the movie. Uh, is there anything I, I missed? No, no, no. I And I want to make it clear. It's not really a spoiler to say that they're, like the movie starts right away with. No, no, no. Yeah, it's a, not. Uh, uh, the murder happening. And it's very like confusing in a weird way. You're like, oh, 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 okay. We're just <laughs> jumping into this, right? Yeah. Because um, the movie's called Rope and the murder weapon is a rope, right? And so they kind of establish things. And I, I feel like mechanically this movie is like, sealed tight you know like it it really is like excellently put together um just as you're talking about kind of the motivation behind the murder i think it's kind of goofy um because you're not quite sure where like it it honestly kind of is like very like it just reminds me a lot of like some like hollywood like i don't know like very like snootiness Um, but it comes around to have kind of a deeper moral discussion, uh, towards the later part of the movie. And I know it sounds like a bad motivation. Um, but there is some great dialogue about halfway through the film where characters are discussing, um, the idea of moral morality existing and intelligence, you know, working around morality as a construct or something instead of it being something like innate within us. Right. So some really good, like deep, uh, almost podcast esque discussions happening in the middle of this movie on mm-hmm. top of its excellent, you know, construction. And you're, you're totally right, Cameron. Like the, the plot is, I think, I think the main drive with this film and the way that it ramps up the thrill and the Hitchcock, um, signature is the way that it places these points of tension uh, around the scene very early on. Um, and so so if it wasn't made clear, like the body's hidden uh, in a chest at the party. And one of the like, like what a kind of the way the, the murder setup is like one of the characters is very, super villain-esque or kind of like the clean-cut american psycho who's mm-hmm. like this yeah. is like i'm superior you know like this is like yeah. like now that i've done this i've done something that most people can't do you know he's a little psychotic the other guy's not so sure about it that did it with him but <laughs> yeah. you can tell he's a little bit like easily you know swayed by this like the more psycho alpha male character um but he definitely has doubts after doing it right so there's already a very interesting setup between two characters where there's 
a criminal who did something very wrong and is feeling guilty about it, the morality setup, and then a criminal that doesn't feel wrong about it and actually feels justified in it, right? So this whole film revolves around morality as they hide the body and then the, I'm just going to call him the American Psycho character. Uh, he's like, this has got to be like, this is this has got to be something that like we, I, I like you said, they're very coy with it, right? But he's like kind of, He's like playing with elements like, oh, the food will be served on the chest where the body is, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, um, yeah. And then we're going to use the rope as part of the party and no one's going to know. So the, he like one of the Which characters- is disturbing to the, to the other guy who right. isn't really, you know, he did it, but he isn't on board now. You know, he's, he's kind of disturbed by the whole event. Um, so then you have a bunch of characters that come into this scene that are, you know, longtime friends. You kind of get the gist that they're educated or higher higher class, right? And then mm-hmm. there's some characters who are serving them. So there's obviously some wealth involved, right? Um, and the discussions that kind of form off that, like, dive into, like, ideas around morality and murder. And so then, like, the psycho characters more like, oh yeah, like, let's talk about this. Let's dissect this. While the other murderer is like, I can't take this. And he's like pounding whiskey, right? Like he's having a hard time keeping it together. All while, you know, um, James Stewart, who's, you know, very clever and also enjoying some of the, um, like, philosophical conversations is beginning to pick up on social mannerisms that are saying something's not quite right. Mm-hmm. Everyone at the party is like, where is this guy? He's been missing, you know? Um, and then certain characters begin to reveal weird things that they've noticed and Stuart slowly puts it together. And I think, I think the reason that I really enjoyed this movie is that I didn't really enjoy it at first. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it does do something where I had a moment towards the end where like my heart rate was up yeah, and I couldn't yeah. believe it. You know, <laughs> I was like, I started this movie thinking like, I am kind of not super interested in this preachy discussion. Right. But then it becomes kind of that like battle of the brains. And there's even a moment towards the end of the film where one of the characters is like, who's the cat? Who's the mouse? Who's the cat? Who's the mouse? You know? Mm -hmm. And you're really starting to be like, I have no idea where this is going to go. And it's like, you see all the pieces on the chessboard, but not all the character. Like, it's like some of the characters know some of the pieces and they're all like beginning to collide towards the end. Right. Yeah. So, that's why I like a, number one. Like I wanted to say, mechanically, this movie is laid out perfectly, and secondly, the film won me over with excitement towards the end. And it's so short. I love short movies, Cameron. You me know too. this. Yeah, I love short <laughs> movies. Um, and I think the best thing about it is that it has kind of that old movie, um kind of drag in the first 20 minutes, right? Where it's like, they're old characters and they're talking like old movie people, you know? Um, But as the things are set up and you're getting to learn about these characters, right? Uh, The, 
there's like the hot the the hot topic as the audience is like is anyone gonna pick up on how weird these two guys are acting yeah and then what starts happening when um they start pushing like, like some of the party people start like questioning or pushing the murderers in a weird way like there's this great interaction where um one of the female attendants of the party uh, realizes that the kind of American psycho character, um, what's his name? What is his name? So I don't have to say I think that. His name is Philip. Philip. Okay. Uh, or is she it keep... Brandon? Is he Brandon? He's no, Brandon. no. Brandon's dead. I think. No, Brandon's no, no, no. Dead. David is dead. Oh, whoops. I think I think it's Brandon. Okay. Um. Yeah. So yeah, Brandon. It is. it is Brandon. Brandon is enjoying some of the social poking and prodding like mm-hmm. david who is killed's girlfriend shows up and he tells another guy that hey you might have a chance with this girl and that guy was like okay but like isn't she like dating someone right yeah uh, <laughs> and then there's a moment where like brandon interacting with her he's he's like oh i didn't know like that you were dating. But then those two other characters come together and he's like, yeah, like, it's funny. Brandon said like, we might end up together, but aren't you dating? And she's like, what do you mean? Like he, he acted like he had never heard that I was dating this guy, you know? So then there's like these little moments of like tense buildup where you're like, uh Oh, like this guy's playing too much with fire. And some of the small characters are beginning to figure out things. But what's exciting is to see like who is going to, figure out something's weird and who's not. And I think like, if you've seen James Stewart in the movie, you kind of know he's the intellectual powerhouse. You're kind of like, I know like he's going to figure out stuff faster, but it's still exhilarating to see some of the other characters like get into the drama with that stuff. Uh, and yeah and and also there's it's got a little bit of that like what's in the box like you know energy <laughs> right sure where yeah. when especially towards like the last third um some characters are beginning to touch uh the chest where the food is is being served and um yeah it's it it really does begin to get quite exciting when you're watching it i was surprised how excited i was watching this movie uh, yeah, I think towards the end, it, it really does have, um, there's one shot that I think is just masterful. I mean, it really is, where they're having a conversation, uh, but the camera focuses on kind of the maid character um, who, you know, has been cleaning and, and sort of, you know, doing the, the background stuff. Oh, yes. Um, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. And at first you you're not really sure why it's picking up on her you know she's she's like collecting books in the background and going kind of in and out of the of of the doors of this apartment um and it hangs on it for like it has to be a minute or two like it 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 really kind of uh lays on this character who's kind of in and out and then you're really paying attention to to the conversation that's happening um that's off screen and then she comes in and she places some books down on uh, on the chest where the body's hidden. Um, and she starts to to take out the candles and take off the 
um, the, you know, the, the dress, the drape that's, that's been on the, uh, on the chest and you start to be like, Oh wow. <laughs> like it might get real right now, you know, like really fast. And, and, you know, all this time you had kind of not been noticing what she was doing or not been really, you know, picking up on it cause you were interested in the conversation. But then once she starts to move towards the chest, you notice, Oh wow, that's in the foreground and she's moving things around right now. Like she might find out. Um, and it's just a really interesting moment of, of kind of, um, just, I, I guess this master, f- you know, it, it's a, it's a great moment of letting your audience wonder about what's going on and wonder what we're seeing and kind of, you know, even if, if they're not really paying attention, um, you know, at, at a certain point, because it goes on so long, you're like, why are we like looking at the hallway right now? Like what is, what's happening, you know? And, and so the audience starts to kind of drift a little bit. Um, and then it all gets brought back to, you know, that, that central piece, which is the chest that, that the body's hidden, um, which is so, it's just brilliantly done. I, I think it's, I think it's so unique and interesting. Um, yeah, there's lots of tense moments that you don't like at first you're like, what is that? You know? And then you're like, Oh wow. Like something is like calling a lot of attention. I think of like the scene with the martini glass where, there's the close up and this guy like broke the martini one of the the guy the murderer mm-hmm. who's unsure he breaks the martini glass cuts his hand open but like no one in the room's paying attention yeah right yeah. it's just something that happened and um, you sort of don't notice it at first and then you you know you look down at his hand and and you know he's he's bleeding and is and you know it's cracked and and it's it's just an interesting interaction for sure yeah, I do want to call attention to the camera work because, yeah. you know, we we watched um, what was it? What was the one we watched last week? Uh, um, rear window, rear window, and that had excellent like camera work in the sense of like it feels more. Um, it's like how much can you do with the camera being a little bit more like locked on mm-hmm. a tripod, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it moves around the room a little bit, but like really or he's like kind of it feels like one of those high millimeter lenses uh almost like you're looking through a sniper scope at a bunch of at, at, at scenery. And and he's able to do so much with that where this movie you're so up close, it feels like the lens is super wide, but the yeah. room is super small. It's like kind of the inverse of Rear Window with this film. And there's a lot of great decisions like the ones that we mentioned um but to me i think the finale where they're having a conversation of like if you did get rid of david what would you do and james stewart basically he's having he's having a confrontation towards the end of the film and he starts talking about like well if i was smart this is what i would do and it essentially like the camera begins to like move around the mm-hmm. room like you're you're like his eyes. And yeah. he's like, well, first I would go there and I would do this and then I would go here. And then there's that moment where like the camera like moves to the chest and the words like don't 
fall like he's looking at the chest but he's like and i don't know what i would do next or something like that yeah, like he has yeah. and so the audience is looking at the box he's you know he's looking at the box because he's talking but the words don't match you know what he's saying and then it quick cuts to his eyes and he's looking at the box like hmm, like you know um so yeah there's there's i i just think for me i thought rear window was like the small scale um that hitchcock had to provide but this movie gets even smaller and mm. it's still fantastic i think yeah um the smaller stuff has more to say about it. I feel like it feels more philosophical than like social commentary, you know, cause I think rear window has a lot to say about society and people. And this movie has more to do with like that inner, um, struggle against morality and what is justified and whatnot. And there's a very clear opinion stated at the end that I felt like I got a little bit of Hitchcock's own personal um, opinion. And that's kind of, that's kind of where like some of that, the Hollywood eye rolling that I had at the beginning began to fade away mm-hmm. because it felt like for a second Hitchcock was kind of on my side with that. Um, where he has these verbose characters who are discussing all these ideas as if like, as if they would do them. But then one of the characters did like commit murder. Right. Um, and, uh, James Stewart basically delivers like an end monologue. That's kind of about some of these ideas. And it feels like it's, it feels like, it pleases Hitchcock to be putting that on on in a, in a movie, even if that's not exactly how he would say it or how he would explain it. It was like what he wanted to show, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, Cameron. What I, I'm trying, I know we've kind of scraped around a bunch of spoilers. I don't think we've really said where and how things go. And I think if you watch this movie, you're not going to know till the last moment. Um, I think to be fair, though, this movie. It's hard to be spoiled in that, uh, well, for one, I think, I think the, you know, the kind of action moment, uh, happens at the very beginning. So, you know, that's not really too much of a spoiler. It's kind of the premise or the setup of the movie. And then, you know, throughout kind of the thrill of it is really watching, you know, them interact with the characters and, and kind of wrestle with that in themselves. And at the same time, I think I think actually the dialogue is a lot of um, what it, what drives this movie and what makes it kind of interesting is that you know they they're having these different conversations and the way that they're maneuvering is just kind of uh, it, it's a really I don't want to say unspoilable movie, but it really lends itself to being actually watched and experienced, you know? And also it it's 80 minutes long. It's, you know, it's easy to digest and easy to experience. So I don't think this, this movie really could be spoiled in the traditional sense. There isn't like a twist like there might, or a, you know, I don't know. It's hard to, it's hard to say that this 
is like a, a you know a spoilable movie for me but um we can move into full spoilers i guess if if you want i mean if that's well, w- if that's what sounds good i wanted it's not the yeah i agree i don't think this movie is about what happens in terms of spoilers i think we can talk about what it says but i also wanted to sort of piggyback off what we were talking about with rear window and reading some of those reviews about how there's no big twist and i'm starting to feel like there is a little (laughs) bit of a split in the hitchcock fan base uh between some of his newer pieces of work you know which have this sort of shock factor twist moment and his older movies having incredible execution and a lot to say about you know being human and society around you right um because the only other two hitchcock films that we've watched on the show are psycho and um what Three. was it vertigo and rewinda oh yeah yeah well i mean that's sorry yes you're right but i put uh vertigo and psycho kind of in that like in the crazy twist camp and then you know rear window and this one rope in in that other space and i'm like i'm definitely more into rear window and rope the other two it's not that like they don't mean much to me they feel more in love with the mechanical thrill you know, of like defying the time and doing something that's very different, right? And to watch those movies and go back and say like, wow, like this is like actually super modern that they would do this crazy twist or, or do something wild like this. Especially with Vertigo, you watch that movie and you're like, boy, I really don't know where this is going. <laughs> and it feels yeah. kind of like, it feels genuinely modern because of it, right? Um, and then it has... It's it's throwing in so many things to talk about whether you when you think about the last half of Vertigo where there's that weird scene about like this strange commentary about dating after uh, someone that you loved you know like where he's like making her wear all the different outfits and stuff so there's there's some of those those like social commentary and and bits like coming into uh, his his later stuff it's just like it feels a little bit more off the wall. And so when I see, when I saw the negative reviews for rear window, it was like, there's no twist. There's no um, big wow moment. And I wonder what, what people would say, (laughs) what people say about this one. So I'm going to pull up some Google reviews because I feel like the haters of this movie um, might be in that camp where they're into those, those newer Hitchcock movies that are, that are crazy. But Mm -hmm. I don't know, Cameron, what do you think of my, my theory that, there's like the split. Um, I think that might be true though. I, I think part of it, it's weird. I was, I was having a conversation about this, uh, with Juzo a little bit in that, um, we were talking about the IMDB top two fifty. if you're familiar with that list. Um, and how so many of those movies are, um, it's hard to say that they're there because of this, but a lot of those movies on this list are, there because they leave a lasting impression 
on you when you watch it the first time. So, you know, a movie like even kind of Seven, which we both love, uh, a movie like Seven has that big finale. It just, it leaves you, you know, if you watched it in theaters originally or if you watch it now, you know, leaves you walking out of that being like, wow, that was insane. You know, whether or not you remember most of the movie, you definitely remember the last 10 minutes of it. So I do think, I think there is a tendency, especially with these reviews, um, where a lot of an audience is expecting a certain amount of, um, you know, punch at the end. You know, they really have this, this thought that there's going to be something that you know, that clobbers you at the end and leaves you kind of either emotionally changed or, you know, it blows your mind or something. You know, there is that, I think there is that tendency for, for people. So I wouldn't say, I don't know if it's Hitchcock fans necessarily, but I do think, I think, I think there is a tendency for moviegoers to want a twist or want a, you know, lasting kind of, you know, punch in the final 10 minutes. I, I, you know, so I think, I think that's probably fair is what, you know, what I'm saying. It's interesting. Cause I'm looking at these Google reviews, which I find are very comical. We brought these in last week, especially for old movies, like a, a much modern, a more <laughs> modern audience reviewing it. And there's a lot of reviews where it's like, it's, it's boring. The ending is disappointment. It's not, it's not really, uh, you know, as excellent as people say the the one review that stood out to me um was actually one that was more full of like like being disturbed by the movie um and its contents but just to kind of summarize the rest that i read quickly here um the one complaint is that it's boring and slow and i didn't like the conclusion which you know, for the sake of this show, right? Sometimes it is hard for a modern audience to watch an older movie, but I didn't feel that way. As a matter of fact, I, I thought when I was watching it and I can't really claim that I'm a casual because of all the things that I've watched on this show now, but I found myself extremely disengaged at the beginning of the film, but as it went on and because of some of its cinematography and the way that the cast was beginning to pull at these crazy people for having this party, right? Um, the more invested i was towards the very end i like i genuinely thought like i don't remember last time i watched a movie where i was like wow like my heart's racing you know like i really don't know what's gonna happen right sure, sure. maybe i'm extremely unhealthy maybe that's what it is <laughs> I, I don't know but i felt i i actually felt the suspense and i was like that's surprising to me mm -hmm. the second criticism that i'm reading across most of these reviews is that it feels stagey like it's yeah. made to be a play or something or and, and it's like a gimmick that's obnoxious well it was made to be a play i mean that is fair but i don't i mean <laughs> i don't i don't necessarily see how that's a criticism of of the movie and that it's staged which is true it is staged <laughs> like i don't i don't know yeah i don't i i guess those people wouldn't like the hateful eight either right and sure. I, I to, for me, maybe maybe I have some kind of biased or draw with that. But when you have the confined spaces, sometimes you find like you're able to do a really special appreciation of that. It's a very strange connection that I'm going to make, but I'm going to make it anyways. I love 
playing Call of Duty. I bring this up a lot. I know it's a casual game, okay? But, like, the first zombie map, you know, like, they came up with this zombie mode where you survive against waves and waves of enemies. The first zombie map's really small. And you learn, like, every nook and cranny of that map. You, like, begin to love it. And, like, the stories that you have running through those small sections, like, they become very intimate to the point where if I go back and try to play zombies, I'm like, I kind of want to play that one. I know it's going to be short and sweet. I know the map is small. It's contained. It's not like you're going to live very long, you know, um, cause you're going to play it and you could only survive for so long in a map so small. Uh, but it's something about it. It's like very consumable. It's very easy to like overanalyze. And that's kind of how I feel about a movie like this, where it's like it's very small, it's very contained, and you can really begin to soak in um, all the little details. And I think what's rewarding about this movie is that there is so much to soak in and love, right? Mm-hmm. I do believe that. So if you if you think that the mechanics of it being taking place in one room is uh, too stagey, aka boring, not enough jungle moments or something not enough different scenes i just that's not like that's not what i look for in a movie yeah i know that like because i was the first time i saw the hateful eight i was like dude this movie is awesome like i absolutely loved it and i know a lot of people are like that's not like a tarantino that's not what a tarantino movie should be you know it's like all locked in i'm like it's like to me i was like this is this is perfect. You know, like I genuinely think that movie is super fun. And the long Netflix special edition of it was also very awesome, which is like even more time <laughs> stuck in that tiny cabin. Um, I, well, this is totally a side tangent, but I, I did not like the hateful eight when I first saw it. When I saw it again and it kind of over time has really grown on me to where I can unequivocally say that I, I really enjoy it. Um, but I, I have not seen the Netflix <laughs> like four and a half hour one. So that's the only version that my brother's seen. Uh, oh, yeah. Cause I okay. wanted an excuse to watch it. <laughs> and it was the only one that was like, um, it, it's the only one that was like available to stream on Netflix. Yeah, so yeah. We were like, yeah, let's watch it. And it was a great like mini series to sit through. Cause it, I think it is four episodes an hour each. So I don't know. Or three. I'm not not quite, not entirely sure. But I did want to read this review that had a little bit different of a take, and it's a little bit longer, Cameron. But I'd like you to, um, I, and I think you know what I think I'm going to break out certain parts. But his opening line says the most edging of a mur- of murder films, and yeah, I meant it in a sexual way. <laughs> <laughs> and he kind of gives some context about like how you might have heard about this this uh, movie. And he said, well, after watching Rope, it made me seriously question anyone's tastes in films that would try to convince me that this is some kind of genius, quote, quote. Because to me, it's certainly not. I can hear the stands be like, oh, it's a stage-like performance that that, uh, ties to, or tries to cut, or hide cuts so that it looks like one take, and that's why it's so innovative. And I want to say that's not the reason that I thought the movie was good. I didn't even notice that it was one take. So (laughs) when you brought it up, (laughs) I was like, oh, oh, yeah, I guess it was. Uh, (laughs) um, 
And so he goes on a rant about how seamless cuts is not that impressive and doesn't make it a masterpiece. But this is what he says. As far as the story goes, it's horrid or it's horribly gross. You're basically watching one guy nearly getting sexual pleasure from teasing his murderous actions in front of the victim's friends, fiance, and his caring partner while the victim's body is in the same room for nearly the entire film. For extra kicks, he's also flirting with getting caught in front of his remorseful co-conspirator and uh, and an influential teacher who uh, theorized how killing others could be justified, which, by the way, is some real eugenics garbage. Um, I realize it's a fictional story, uh, but it's so overly perverse that it almost had... Or wait, it was almost more than I can stomach. Um, so... Yeah, he he thought that the content was a little bit like icky, and yeah, to that I review, mean, <laughs> to to that review, I actually think that some of the content is like goofy or eye rolling. Is how I kind of felt. So so that like the reason I want to read that review, Cameron, is that's like to me it was better than boring and too stagey, right? Yeah. Um, what, what do you think? Well, it's interesting cause I'm, I'm, it's funny that you call it eye rolling or kind of, you know, ugh, you know, there's like, there is a certain a, a amount of elitism to the attitudes that these characters have. Um, which is true. I mean, they, they're kind of, I think purposely p- portrayed that way. But I, I do think you have to notice where some of the influence comes from, um, which is which is kind of uh, – I think it's a lot deeper. Um, a lot of the sort of thoughts and uh, experience of these two characters, especially Brandon, um, and then, you know, the reactions from Philip um, – come from a book called Crime and Punishment, which I don't know if you've ever uh, read. Have you? No, no, I have not. Uh, Dostoevsky. Um, it's it's actually one of my favorite books. It's it's a really interesting thought experiment, but uh, it's, it's very long, so I don't know. I wouldn't recommend it to most people, but it's, it's a great book. Um, but basically the, the, the premise is that he... Uh, he devises a plan to essentially get away with murder, and he he convinces himself that if he can if he can kill someone um, and get away with it, there's nothing wrong with that, basically. And so so he you know he comes to intellectualize himself into into justifying uh, killing someone because if nobody finds out then what's the harm? And in, in crime and punishment, the woman is, you know, an old, old lady, you know, doesn't have any family. He's basically the only one who's, who's checking up on her. Um, and so he, he basically justifies it as, well, I'm kind of doing her a favor. If I kill her and then, you know, take all of her stuff, then, you know, she doesn't have to suffer in, you know, being bedridden all day. And, you know, I can, I can do this and nobody will ever care or mind because nobody knows about her basically. 
Um, but after he kills her, he becomes um, basically like extremely g- grief ridden. And so the, the book really is kind of about uh, it's, it's experimenting with the idea that even if there is nothing, uh, if there's no, you know, logical justification for why something is wrong, um, but something is in fact wrong, we have a certain uh, disgust or we have a certain drive to to consider something wrong, like, you know, something like murder wrong, um, you know, wherein we kind of can't let ourselves get away with it, even if, you know, try as we might and, and you know, as many justifications as, as there could be, uh, we just can't get away with or we can't let ourselves get away with doing something so that we know to be so wrong, even if we can intellectually justify it. And so a lot of that theme is kind of mirrored in this movie where the main character, Brandon, is uh, justifying the murder to himself. And, and he has, you know, he has this reason that people who are intellectually inferior, um, you know, basically they're just at the whim of of people who are superior. And so if we murder someone, it doesn't matter because they're um, we, you know, basically we have we're so smart that we can think our way out of um, of getting caught, essentially. And so, you know, there is something interesting philosophically about, you know, there, the battle is between an innate, uh, feeling that we have, um, we have a duty to, you know, other people and that they have a right to continue to live, that they are their own person. Um, they do have their own agency. Um, versus, you know, the opposite view, which is people at are you know, essentially at the expense of our, of our own person. And if we can get away with a crime, then it wasn't a crime at all. And so there is, there is something interesting about that dichotomy. And I can, I can understand what, what this reviewer is saying is there is something, grotesque about one view but i think he's kind of proving the point of of the movie and that we we do kind of feel an innate um duty or responsibility to to other people in that it is gross to see someone kind of flaunting the idea that other people's lives don't matter um and and i think that kind of reinforces some of what the movie is saying even if he finds it disgusting i mean it is still something that is interesting to to consider and and someone who has never thought about it uh you know never never thought about you know why it's wrong to kill someone i think there is uh we we all do have a have a responsibility and a duty to um to observe why certain things are moral and immoral. (laughs) Um, And if we don't, you know, we're kind of just blindly accepting, uh, you know, what, what other people think in that, you know, we, the movie is, is talking about 
um, this innate feeling of of immorality, but it's it's also entertaining the idea that we can reason our way into um, doing immoral things. So I, I think, yeah, I I think the key element with it, right, is. And and I think this is it serves well for like a film is that it takes an extreme moral idea that everyone inherently agrees like in society like that's not good right yeah and someone justified that action in their mind um, but it was still wrong and the they they like thought it through so many times and made it right in their mind, right? That's a concept about struggling with a moral issue that I think maybe some people take it at face value with this film. They say, well, of course murder's bad. Of course, like, you know, you can't just sit (laughs) here and and think about, like, why would we even need to consider the morality of it? But I think the deeper level around it. And I think this is how I feel about a lot of films that deal with difficult, uh, subject matter or difficult moral subject matter. And this is why I also get mad at films that deal with difficult subject matter. And I don't feel like they've maturely respected some of maybe what I would consider to be like sensitive subjects. Right. Um, cause I think it's a fine line. It's, it's pretty hard to like, like teeter along, but like, that concept applies to most moral wrongs in your life, right? Because hopefully, you know, most people don't have the mental exercise around murder and thinking about like, oh, like justifying it mentally, but you have other vices in your life. Well, but everyone has that, everyone has that experience of being in a place where you know you can get away with maybe it's like shoplifting or whatever you know sure sure you're like you, you know you look around and you say nobody's going to stop me if i just put this in my bag you know nobody's going to nobody's going to going to mind it's not really hurting anybody you know there everybody has this sort of um I don't know what it is. It's maybe it's maybe it's the devil, or maybe it's uh, you know the devil inside you. You know where where everybody thinks that. Well, you know I could get away with doing this. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the whole apple of Eden thing, right? Yeah. You know, like this is and this is why it's hard, like to to have a conversation around. Well, to me, like very quickly, a movie like this begins to wrap in ideas around. Morality, and if you're wrapping in morality, I feel like it's very quick to jump into like theology and the idea of like, you know, social constructs versus, you know, a higher power and things like that, right? I got to be honest, like that kind of conversation is something I think about a lot. That's something I talk about a lot, right? Um, I've openly talked about on this show, you know, Cameron and I are both Christian. And so I feel like there, if you're going to say you believe something like that, you better be struggling with some level of doubt to have some kind of faith and, and to like begin having or considering some of those, those things. And so I, what I'm trying to get to, and the point is with, with this, with this film is that I do think it kind of poses that moral bicep 
flex thing. And it has you thinking about the crime and punishment themes in a deeper way that can be broken apart. And if you're not able to get to those themes, like I guess I can understand if you're like, I'm bored or there are certain things in the way, but being like disturbed, I do think it handles the material pretty carefully. Um, because like James Stewart is kind of that audience surrogate where you're like, you're definitely like alongside him. And then his, ending monologue like goes somewhere whereas other films that i like and there are other films that i don't like that don't teeter it like i wonder if you know this reviewer on google like enjoys them like movies like like a movie like jojo rabbit is like a very dark comedy Mm -hmm. right yeah but it has a lot to say and you face it in a way that's like really unlike any movie that I've watched before. Or yeah. you consider, and I'm bringing up war movies because I feel like they're very, they're very loved. You watch a movie like Saving Private Ryan, like that movie like has disgusting moments, moments that like make sure. you say like I never wanted to see that, you know, uh, I never wanted to face that. But there's like still an incredible value in facing, you know. I guess the evils in humanity and to like really, really like come to terms with like your own beliefs in that, you know? Um, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, I think, (laughs) you know, to be faced with a question like this, which is, you know, it's a 1948 movie. Okay. How disturbing can it, can it really get? It's not, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't really cross any lines. I understand there's a certain amount of, um, squeamishness about, you know, about macabre things like this, but you know, it's not, it's not graphic. This is no, you know, seven or, you know, it's, it's not in that realm of things. So, um, you know, that being said, I do think a movie like this is able to, um, tease out some, some sort of deeper themes, you know, where, you know, as someone who is just going about his day and is, you know, uh, watching movies or doing whatever, most people, I don't think, are really considering why it would be bad to kill someone else. You know, Hopefully most people, yeah. most people are not. And and also take into consideration that this movie was made in 1948. Okay, obviously, a lot of the context of this movie. Um, comes from World War II, comes from the idea that some people are just inherently better than others, you know, and this this sort of theme through the war of, of you know, separating people into superior and inferior. And this movie kind of skirts around that in the, you know, the way that it does it, where, you know, he's talking about people who are intellectually inferior and whatnot. But it really is obviously talking about... Um, the the position of of germany and you know that kind of thing like there is there is a real tangible example that was that was very relevant in 1948 of people thinking this way um and people wanting to go along with things that were terrible you know for the sake of sort of the uh uh an intellectual superiority or, you know, a superiority of, 
of races or whatever. You know, there's a there's a real clear cut reason why this movie was relevant back then. And so it's kind of in in fact it's a little bit privileged to say like, oh, you know, it's it's a little disgusting to think about that. Or it's like, I mean, that was that was real back then. You know, that was something that was being um thought about and and taught even you know these these thoughts of of superiority so i you know as much as it is uh great that we don't think that way nowadays um it wasn't i don't think it was like that back in 1948 and i think a lot of people did consider themselves to be better than other people and i think james stewart's appeal to everybody's individual humanity is an extremely modern and um and and a very moral appeal you know it it has that weight of this is true and what kind of won from from that time period so i think i think that's you know it's just interesting that that there there are people who you know are like so far removed from that that they can't even you know it's it's a little bit disgusting to them to to think about but it was real it was true at one point so yeah yeah and i don't i guess i don't know i just wanted to take an opinion that was different than what we were talking about and expand on it and um I don't know. I like freaking in those Google reviews. I forgot about it until halfway through the show. That's why I was like, I'm going to pull this up quick. And uh, <laughs> we said we were going to be more prepped with it. <laughs> I do. I do like the Google reviews. I think it's fun because I, I think it, it pushes us towards a conversation that maybe we weren't thinking about originally, um, which is interesting. So I will say this movie has talked a lot about on the reviews as required watching for school, film school stuff. And a lot of people said a lot of good things about it. It does have a higher, it has like a 4.5 or something, 4.4 yeah. 4 or something on Google. Um, Out of five, but, to be fair. So, yes, you know, it's yes. not the <laughs> IMDb rating or anything. I will I say, um, contemporaneously, I think this was kind of middling received for, for Hitchcock movies. And I think even Hitchcock himself didn't didn't love this movie uh, in the end. I think he, he, he uh, from what I know, he called it a failed experiment you know so he was experimenting with doing one you know long takes and one setting and he he can he to him he didn't do as good as he could have uh which is just kind of interesting to me i do like rear window more yeah me too i do think i do think it's a better movie um i think something that this movie lacks that rear window has is characters that you love hanging out with yeah and this movie doesn't have much of that no it's kind of <laughs> it feels a little like I, again like i keep bringing up this word but it does have a much more philosophical flavor yeah um, and yeah i mean well knowing it's source material now right um i think it's it's clear why but i do i do still want to go out and say i i do i recommend this movie it's so short um, I think it's worth watching. I do think there's a thrill with it still somehow after all this time, <laughs> some of those, some of these old movies that I think about, 
like they are worth they are worth seeing and i don't like watching old movies you know <laughs> um and i know we were talking about this either this week or a few weeks back i think when we watched um vertigo i was like well there's some old movies that just like do it better than this and i'd say this is one of them i'd say rear window is definitely one of them i'm always thinking about the guy stuck in the cave movie, even though I didn't even love it that much. Uh, the guy stuck the in the cave movie? Buster Keaton. Wait, is that right? No. Um, it, it's not, it's not, it's, it's, <laughs> ah, I wish I could remember. It's um, the one where the, the whole carnival shows up and that one guy's just stuck in the cave. You know what I mean? Outside and, <laughs> oh, you're really blanking. Yeah. We just talked about this movie. Um, like the apartment, um, the Chaplin movie, the great dictator. Um, yeah. Some of these old movies, they're definitely worth when did we struggling watch it? through what is the this older movie? dialogue? <laughs> it's, it's, um, it's who did the apartment? Billy Wilder. I think it's a Wilder movie. Um, I, a guy stuck w- in a cave with, with Buster Keaton, right? Oh, oh, you're talking about, it's not Buster. Yeah. <laughs> You it's threw not, me off. Buster okay, Keaton? you're talking about Ace in the Hole. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who's Buster Keaton? It's Kirk Douglas. It's Kirk Douglas. Douglas. Uh, Buster Keaton is the... Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. The like. silent film actor who we watched who did the movie uh, where the train falls. Uh, the General, yes, you, yes, you yes. remember? That's a yes, great movie, by the way. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I'm not up to date with my... Dead actors <laughs> and actresses. Okay. Guys stuck in the cave and there's a carnival. <laughs> it's not a carnival. It's just people who are trying to, you know, get them out. <laughs> the biggest tailgate in the world is happening. It's what do you, it goes, it becomes so absurd. Right? It does. It does. Yeah. But it's not, it's, I just wouldn't describe it as a carnival. I was, <laughs> does somebody jump off the, the cliff at the end? I don't remember. Uh, does he? I'm trying to think. It gets pretty wild at the end. You're like, what is even happening? Oh, you know what's movie? so funny, actually, is it was originally called the Big Carnival. <laughs> I'm telling you, there's actually a tent with like, they bring like animal. It's like a carnival. I'm pretty sure that's, a, a I mean, that's that a movie. crazy. To be honest, that's a crazy name for this movie. I would never have <laughs> called it the Big Carnival. <laughs> that's like um, that's like actually insane. But you know, <laughs> uh, man. So yeah, I guess we'll put that in the category with the Big Carnival. This movie is right <laughs> next to the Big Carnival. <laughs> um, well, I w- I would say for me personally, I like. Uh, vertigo a bit better although it's hard to say because i i did actually really love all three of these movies um and i wasn't expecting to not i guess that's not fair to say i was i was expecting to enjoy them uh but i really did find myself engaged uh and interested and and kind of ready to watch more hitchcock which was was really interesting. I, I I feel like, you know, there's a handful of directors from this time period that can do that. And I think the fact that it's, it's still engaging for me and you, you know, as I, I'm, you know, I love movies, but it's never fun to go back and watch old movies that you've never seen before. 
I mean, come on, you know, even someone who, <laughs> who, who is a lover of movies, there are some, uh, some snooze fests. You know, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you a tip. Just skip the credits, the opening credits. Oh, I, I love, always do. I love the. Opening I always credits. just fast forward that. It's like two minutes I of love, like text. I love the. Just get past credits. it. You know what's weird? So something about Tar that I found to be really interesting was they. Um, they do an old school style opening credit sequence, uh, which I was shocked about. I was, I really had no, um, I don't, I don't think I've seen a movie that's, that's come out in the last 10 years that has had a, um, a legit like fifties style opening credit sequence. It was weird. Yeah. The only opening credits I could think of <laughs> was Seven recently. I watched that. Like the crazy 90s opener. Well, Fight like, Club had, wh- has one too. But, oh, but okay. I'm yeah. saying this is even different from like the, the classic, uh, like, you know, there, yeah, there, was a, there was a time where opening credits came and they had like graphics and there was like, you know, cool stuff that it was showing and, and it was like interesting. But back in the day, it was so not interesting. It was literally just like one shot, if that, and a bunch of names. And that that's what that's what Tar has. It was like, you know, just literally just a bunch of names. <laughs> it's it's kind of cool. It's it's pretty it's, yeah, it's it is pretty cool. It's like wow, we have your attention, by the way. You know? Yeah, like here's here, I I, I kind of feel like it's good because everybody leaves at the credits, right? Which I always stay. Because I like to respect the people who you know who worked on the film. Um, <laughs> that is so ridiculous, Cameron. Why? <laughs> Why is that ridiculous? You stay. Yeah, I stay for the credits. For what? It's like the employees are all looking at you like, what the heck is wrong with this guy? I stay. <laughs> the movie's not over until the credits are done. <laughs> It's absurd. Why? Why is that absurd? You, okay, when you watch a movie at home, do you do that? It really depends on the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Cameron's like, I like burning time. It makes you feel rich. In the in the theater, um, it is important because there's, you know, these are people who have just worked on a movie. It's it's respectful. Well. I guess I'm disrespecting the people that work on the movie. <laughs> They'll never know of your sacrifice, Cameron. I'm, it's not a sacrifice. I'm just like, for one, you know, a lot of times they'll have interesting music at the end too, which is which is cool. It, it really depends because there's a, there are some movies that I don't respect that I will <laughs> that I will. Leave. But but even then, you know, I respect the the people who worked on it. So I guess I guess not. I don't know. I I just I feel like I I enjoy. Um, sitting and uh, seeing it all through. I also love, um, I always love reading the uh, the music choices, which is always at the very end. Oh, true. So. Yes, I do like that part. Yeah, I will say the last movie I sat in the credits for was Dune. And that was amazing. Yeah. that That was like the last movie going experience that I was just like, wow. Like I just, and it's watching that. Like every time, I, the two times I went to see it in the theater, I was talking to the person next to me during the credits. I was like, "Dude, yeah." Like, is there's a lot to like chew on there? And isn't uh, it nice to just take in 
you know, what you just saw. Well, you, I mean, Hans Zimmer's score. You give, you, know, like, you give like, you know, it's like two to five minutes. Like, it's not, I'm it's just, not that long. Dude, I'm just like, I miss some good scored music in movies. I think like I'm, I'm ready to watch something with music. Well, because we've guess, watched you know? two movies now that have been really diegetic. Um, yeah. And have basically had no score at all. Which I want to say that vi- the the Violent Night movie was like scored traditionally. Oh, okay. Which I was very confused about. Interesting. I was like, wow, strange. So, well, Tar. Um, um, speaking of which, has also a diegetic score, which it's about a composer. So a lot of the mu- you know, there's a lot of music in the film, uh, but it's all sort of played you know on screen, which is is kind of interesting. I don't think there's any non diegetic sound. So. Yeah. Speaking of music, well, okay, let's wrap up. Let's wrap up. Yeah, let's wrap up. I um recommend this film, Cameron. I also recommend this film. Film the, the fact that it's eighty minutes long, it's a no brainer. You know, it's one of those this movies. Podcast is just as long as it. You know, like <laughs> it, it's it's one of those movies that's that's like yeah, just put it on. It's it's excellent. It'll grab you at some point if it doesn't grab you in the first you know, five to 10 minutes. It's, it's really unique. Um, especially I, I, we kind of briefly talked about it being, uh, a sort of single shot movie, quote unquote. Um, I will say, so I, I looked it up while we were talking and there is, um, there are 10 cuts throughout the movie. So kind of divided perfectly evenly, um, into like 10 to seven to 10 minute segments. Um, and each of those cuts are, uh, broken up. So, you know, they have the two 10 minute segments and then that's one re- so one reel of film back in the day was about 10 minutes long. Uh, so then they would cut and they would change over to a new reel and film the new one. Um, but one reel of projected film was about 20 minutes long. So there are about four of the 20 minute segments and that's why it's 80 minutes long. So it's really like perfectly laid out in that way. Um, for, you know, for being a projected movie. So like all of the technical stuff, uh, is, is really interesting and, and well thought out. I just, I find that fascinating, but also it just works as you didn't notice. It just works as a, as a nice succinct little, you know, play essentially. So, yeah, true, true. Very good. Well, Cameron, are we posting next Tuesday? I think that's kind of the question up in the air. I think we should do it. Um, I'm happy to do, uh, a recording midweek if you are able to. Uh, (laughs) I don't know when I'd be able to do it, but, like Friday or something. You. Okay, maybe. Maybe Friday. Probably not. If you want, we could hang out. Before Christmas. Too. Whoa. Okay. Now you're getting real crazy. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it offline. But we appreciate you guys listening. Um, we post every Tuesday unless it's crazy holidays. We hope you have a happy holidays. Enjoy your time. Uh, be safe. Have fun. Give lots of gifts and watch some fireworks or something. And I'm looking forward to the time off, Cameron. I hope you are too. 
But yeah. We will catch you next time. Thank you so much for listening. Cinema Spectator is an ECFS Productions podcast that is fully funded on Patreon.com. Shout out to our producers, Darren O'Neill, for supporting the show and to the rest of you that support us at Patreon.com slash ECFS Productions. If you want to learn more about the benefits you can get, check out our Patreon. The show cannot happen without you great listeners, so we thank you for all your kindness and support.